It's time once again for another Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton here helping you dig deeper into the book of Exodus as we are in our next to last segment on said book of Exodus. We're going to look at now, having set through the entire tabernacle, we're going to look at the golden calf and the immediate aftermath. And honestly, Leviticus, and especially the book of Numbers, gives the aftermath of the golden calf and recapped in Deuteronomy. But we're going to look specifically at chapter 32 of the golden calf and then highlight chapters 33 and 34 with the aftermath. So we look at Exodus 32. I'm just going to read the entire chapter and then make my notes. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what had become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar there. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. But he said, It is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, Let not, your anger of, let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people, that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods who shall go on before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Let any of who has gold take it off. So they gave it to me, I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, 
Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about three thousand men of the people fell. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. The next day Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people, because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. So far, the infamous story of the golden calf. So let's go back through and take a look at some of the things that are going on here. So first of all, you have that Moses delayed on the top of Mount Sinai. Forty days was too long for the Israelites. But... Again, we have this constant running theme of 40 days running through the Bible. You have the 40 days and 40 nights of the rain of Noah's flood. You have the 40 days that Moses went in before Pharaoh, before finally the Passover. You have the 40 days where Moses is up on the mountaintop of Sinai. You have the 40 days that Jesus is in the wilderness before he is tempted by the devil. This thing of 40 days is great in the Bible. And so the people come to Aaron and say, up, make us gods. Because this guy, we don't know what has become of him. So we need something we can see because we can't see Moses anymore. And it's interesting in verse 2 that the entire golden calf, and a lot of times in the Sunday school pictures we see this calf being huge, is made out of earrings. Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. I mean, this is just the basic enrichment that we have talked about before with the gifts to the sanct to the tabernacle. But now we've got there's even more because everybody's got earrings and they've got enough to make a golden calf that is at least big enough to be visible throughout the camp. And so then, verse 6, they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They had their offerings as had been authorized and commanded by God, but they offered them to the golden calf. They sat down, they ate and drank their part of the sacrifices and then rose up to play. Uh, many times this is considered just the dancing that Moses talks about later in there, but also there is the sexual connotation in there, which is very likely something that they might have seen in Egypt with all the different gods and goddesses there, that there was some sort of a sexual component to the worship of the Egyptian gods. So we have this again as well as they're trying to mimic what they know, what they've seen, because this God that 
rules heaven and earth, that brought all the plagues upon Egypt, they have not seen. So they don't know what to do with him. And so this is all going down at the bottom of the mountain. Now we go back up to the top in verse 7, where, interesting what God says here, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. God is not taking ownership of this people anymore because they have walked away from him. They have traded him in for something else. They are a stiff-necked people. So he tells Moses, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. Let me wipe them out and I will make a great nation out of you. And now this if I were Moses, would be flattering because I would be in the same boat that Abraham was, that Noah was. And we have this as the genealogies go down through the scriptures of everything boiling down to one family at a time. So you have Adam and Eve. Then it goes, they expand out and it brought down to Noah. And it expands back out again brought bound to Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob. And then you got Jacob with 12 sons, and now it goes down to Judah and on down through the genealogy to get down to Jesus that you find in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3. But Moses could have been a part of that. God could have started the whole thing over again with Moses, and he offers to do it. But Moses turns him down. He says, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self all the things that were going to happen, that they would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore, that they were going to inherit the land that those generations of the patriarchs had lived in as strangers and sojourners. So then Moses goes down from the mountaintop and he's carrying the tablets that had been made and written by the hand of God with the writing of God on the front and on the back, giving everything that's there for, honestly, most of the book of Exodus and Leviticus, all the different laws and everything, not just the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments are the core of that. And these were the tablets that were supposed to go in the Ark of the Covenant. But as we see in the aftermath at the beginning of chapter 34, Moses has to make new tablets because he crushes these, slams them down to the ground because of the Israelites' sin with the golden calf. And then what happens with the calf? Well, he burns it with fire, he grinds it up into powder to then scatter it upon the waters and makes the people of Israel drink it. And so, that's part one of the punishment of the people. But Aaron doesn't help himself. And this is always my favorite part of the golden calf story. Because Moses comes up to Aaron and says, Aaron, I left you in charge. Moses says, Aaron, you are my older brother. You should know better than to let this people run rampant. And let them be loose like they are. And what does Aaron say? Don't, don't let my Lord's anger be mad at me. Because all I did was told them to take 
the gold, give it to me. I threw it in the fire and the calf jumped out. Yeah. That's another one of those great biblical excuses that doesn't ever work, does it? You, you do something, you just, I just threw it all together, and poof, out it came. Uh, many times, uh, there's the joke, especially among uh, many of my Catholic friends growing up, that you have the uh, you know teenagers getting pregnant. It's like uh, trying to say it's an immaculate conception, like with Mary with Jesus. It's like, mm, no, 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 that that didn't happen, and we all know that. But again, it's one of those great lies we try to tell. But it's like based on the Bible, so it sounds like it ought to work and be good and satisfy everybody, but you know, it doesn't. So there's this whole, you know, you can't throw a whole bunch of gold into the fire and this golden calf jump out like God wanted the golden calf there. And we see this again, especially if you go through my majoring and the minors uh, videos, which the audio I'll be putting on starting in January. And because they talk about, especially in Amos, the golden calves of Dan and Beersheba, the symbols of the idolatry of Samaria. Because Jeroboam I made the golden calves so that people didn't have to go all the way down to Jerusalem to another kingdom in order to do their commanded worship. So now, Moses has gone through and has chastised the people. He has chastised Aaron. Now he stands at the gate of the camp and says, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the Levites come to him. He tells them to strap on their swords and go through from one end of the camp to the other and just start hacking and slashing people to death. And 3,000 people were killed that day as part of the, the discipline of the Lord, the thing that kept the Lord from just wiping them all out, is that a remnant was wiped out as an atonement for that. And so through that action, the Levites were ordained for the Lord's service, which sounds quite odd that they have to go through and kill their neighbor and their brother and all this, in order to be ordained for God's service, of which God had already said, you are ordained by birth. But this is God that is in the driver's seat here. So Moses goes back up to the mountain, says, perhaps I can make atonement. And so he says, God, don't blot these people out. But if you need to blot somebody out, blot me out. Let me serve as their sacrifice, their lamb that goes ahead of them. Very much like the, and he says, please blot me out of your book. Very much like the lamb's book of life that we see in Revelation 13 and 20. But then he brings a plague upon the people. There's still something coming. They're not sure what yet, but something else is coming. And that goes through kind of the entirety of the book of Numbers. It's kind of this plague just kind of shows up once in a while. It's there with the 12 spies. It's there with the fiery serpents. It's kind of just the plague of the 40 years of the wilderness wandering that they haven't been consigned to yet 
because they haven't forsaken the word of the Lord yet. They've just forsaken the Lord while keeping his word or trying to keep his word as best you can without actually keeping the Lord. But then again, that's what people try to do in 21st century American evangelicalism. They want the Lord's word, but they don't want the hard part. They don't want the parts that make you go, ew, I don't like that. That isn't what is nice and promotes good feelings. It's just gory. And the golden calf ends up with being a gory story. So now we have the golden calf taken care of. We have a little bit of a preview of what will happen to the people at the very tail end of it with the plague coming out. So then, chapter 33, God commands Israel to leave Sinai, that they are no longer welcome at his holy mountain. But he is going to send them to the land that he had sworn to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You know, the land of the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. A land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up among you, he says, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And so, Moses again tries to help mediate with between God and the people, and finally intercedes enough to where God will send his angel. He will send his people, his presence before them, because Moses is going to leave without God's presence. He knows what happens without God's presence, because that's just going to be a repeat of Egypt in a different land, but still going to be a repeat of Egypt. So then after he makes intercession for the people, and God says, okay, I will let my presence go with you, Moses asks that one thing too far. Chapter 33, verse 18. Moses said, please show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for a man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is that moment of the great hymns, Rock of Ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Or he hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock and covers me there with his hand. We have these images of God still being gracious to us and merciful to us, even when we ask for things we're not supposed to, which is one of the great blessings of being a child of God, that even when we ask for things that we shouldn't, whether it's that dream job or that dream spouse or that dream car or that dream whatever that we think we absolutely have to have in order to survive. God doesn't say, no, I'm sorry, I'm not answering any more of your prayers because you have asked for something stupid. No. He says, no, my child, this is not something that you need. This is not something that will help you. Maybe it might be helpful in some instance, but it's going to end up being a detriment to you. 
And sometimes he gives it anyway, just to show you that what you want is not what you need. That's one of the things with Garth Brooks' song, Unanswered Prayers. You know, he thanks God that, you know, all through high school he wanted this one girl. And doesn't work out, doesn't work out, doesn't work out. And years, years later, they get back together at some high school reunion and they have nothing to talk about because there was nothing there in the first place. Just the attraction of the looks. So now we get to chapter 34. And we're just going to look at the first few verses here where God gives the covenant again. But Moses has to write it down this time. And not only that, chapter 34, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone, like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cuts two tablets of stone like the first and went up in the morning to Mount Sinai as the Lord commanded and took in his hand the two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. So with this, God renews the covenant with Israel. Again, the two tablets of stone written to be put in the Ark of the Covenant, to be a reminder for the people as they go from place to place, as they set up the tabernacle, and later on as they go to visit the temple to know what the Lord's will is. I'm going to stop here. I can finish up chapter 34, but really, verses 29 through 35 of chapter 34 really work in well with chapter 40, which we'll be talking about next month. So I encourage you to be back for that as we wrap up Exodus next month. And then we will go in January, start going into the Psalms. And so I encourage you to be here for that as the Psalms are the ancient hymnal of the church, Old Testament and New Testament, so that we can see what all God has to say to us in that marvelous, marvelous book. But until then, we have Pro Wrestling America coming up next week. Big end of the month card with the end of the feud between Gentleman Chris Adams and Mr. Electricity Steve Regal. A loser leaves PWA match, as was talked about last week on the podcast card. Then we'll have Confessional Corner as we dig deeper into the Apology Article 2 on Original Sin to talk about the great and wonderful things that is there for us to find out and to see again what God says at Mount Sinai to Moses 
that we have a God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That even our original sin inherited from our parents will not keep us away from him because he is a merciful and loving God. And it is in that merciful and loving God's name that I wish you his richest blessings as you wrestle with theology this week. Amen.